This is Green Men Radio with Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan. Brought to you by Whistler Bungie. I think they're hilarious, so I don't want to say I want to go to the box, but, uh, you know, maybe there'll be a confrontation there that's pretty funny. I like you, but you've gone too far. Show a little class. If the glass wasn't there, would you do it? I don't think so. We get some chuckles on the bench when we look over and we see them, uh, you know, upside down on the glass. They're pretty comedic and and, uh, it's pretty funny. We simply have had enough of looking at the rear ends and their crotches. They've been more than a pain in the neck to almost every team that has played here. Smarten up. You look like jerks. They're good guys. Don't be mean. Be green. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Green Man Radio on Sportsnet 650. My name is Adam Forsyth, a.k.a. Force, joined as always by Ryan Sullivan, a.k.a. Sully, the two green spandexed idiots who used to sit beside the penalty box. They got their own radio show. A little, po- little idiotic. little idiotic, just here and there, you know? Yeah, I'd like to think there's a little bit of intelligence going on, but not much. No. Not much. But uh, what this is like episode eight, I believe. So we're flying along. If you if this is your first time joining us, though, on Green Man Radio, this is pretty much how it works. Is every week we have two guests, former NHL players, current NHL players, and we break it down. Uh, we it's kind of the lighter side of sports. We want to get into their careers. We love to ask about their pranks, their roommates. You know what they're eating on the road. The hard hitting <laughs> questions. We get to the bottom of it. Uh, not so much the X's and O's of hockey. And we have a pretty uh, fun time along the way. We've had some great guests over the weeks. And this week, we have two fantastic guests lined up. Ryan, why don't you do do the honors? Absolutely. The first one, you know him very well. Goes by the name of Anton Roussel. Oh, current Canuck. Let's go. Absolutely. Yeah, went down to the room, had a chat with him. It's it's an awesome interview. The guy is an absolute uh, fantastic uh, talent on the ice, but also a bit of a wordsmith. You know, really, he's very, very articulate, and I think it's just—it's one of those interviews where, you know, he really—you get a chance to kind of open up and meet the guy behind the player that you see out there for sixty minutes. So, a pretty cool thing with Anton Roussel, uh, and then also Clint Malarchuk. Uh, you know, he's told the story a couple times. If you haven't heard it, it's one of the most historic things that have ever happened in the NHL. Um, you, you know, this guy probably mostly from this incident when he took a skate to the jugular uh, and almost died on the ice at a game in Buffalo. The goaltender, former Bo- uh, Buffalo Sabres goaltender uh, took Steve Tuttle of the St. Louis Blues skate to the neck. Um, and so we go into this amazing story. Um, yeah, well, you know, we'll get into all of it when we get them on the horn in a little bit. But uh, just a, a crazy thing. And, and these guests that we keep having, like we're hitting the lottery with these things. Uh, it's been fantastic. And uh, the show can only go up. It's growing every single week. Uh, so uh, thank you to all a lot of the loyal listeners. We love your feedback. If you want any uh, questions, we'll get them on air. Shoot us a note. Constructive criticism. Uh, be brutal. It's at Adam Forsyth on Twitter, at Sella Vancouver on Twitter, and then our main account. We're checking that all the time, too, at The Green Men. Hit us up at Facebook. Uh, that is, what's that page there, Sully? The Green Men 2. The Green Men 2. The number 2. Number 2. There was a hacking incident. We lost the Green Men 1 for a temporary <laughs> yeah. temporary uh, occasions. So, uh, yeah, t- hit us up on there. And we were actually kind of, I was doing the backing up the external hard drive, and I went down memory lane and was going, Facebook, it, it acts as like a, a little time portal. Yeah. Just scrolling through all the photos, and I found a bunch of fan photos that people had posted over the years that, like, I never got a chance to see. It was such a whirlwind in like 2011 when we were on the road and we were in Nashville and we were in Boston. And we were almost in San Jose. That when that and that was the peak of the Green Men. People were posting stuff. 
I just never saw it. Yeah. So I spent like a couple hours last weekend and just going through all these random photos. It was really cool. It's pretty neat. And I mean, not only did you not see them when they happened, you probably didn't see anything. No. Um, like a lot of people would come up and just snap a photo. A giant flash would go off and you couldn't see a thing. Like in Vancouver, we were very lucky. One of the main questions that we always get is like, how, you know, how was the visibility in these things? In Vancouver, row one, it's a very bright arena, very bright surface. Uh, so not too bad. But when you're in a place like Nashville and you're sitting, you know, 15 rows up or in Boston when it's very dark and you're 10 rows up, you can't see a heck of a lot of what's going on, especially on the concourse too. There's not great lighting out there. So, you know, we just probably sat in like a lightning storm most nights, just flashes going off all over the place, not really knowing what's happening. So we uh, no got... No complaints. No complaints? No complaints. No complaints. <laughs> the Sioux people were fantastic. Yeah, I'll air the grievances a little later in the show. For yeah. now, we'll, you know, keep it light. We got to give a shout out to our sponsors because they're the ones keeping us on air, keeping the lights on. Whistler Bungie, our latest sponsor. They are fantastic. If you're ever up in the Whistler area, if you've never bungee jumped before, I was terrified of heights, like petrified of heights. I said I'd jump out of a plane before I bungee jumped. Well, one bungee jump at Whistler Bungie, and uh, I'm now loving it. I think I've done it probably a dozen times. Every time I go up to Whistler, I'm making sure I'm jumping in. Pastime Sports and Games, their newest location in Metrotown, get you some cool hockey cards. Uh, still looking for that Quinn Hughes rookie card. I know it's out there. I'm going to track it down. Berard Physio and Yuck Yucks Vancouver uh, for the Valentine's Day. Yes. We, have, we, haven't, we haven't been on air since Valentine's Day. Yuck Yucks Vancouver treating us like royalty, making sure uh, your wife and my girlfriend had a fantastic time. They hooked us up some tickets for uh, Melissa V. Senor, the Saturday Night Live Stand up and impressionist, and she crushed it. She was uh, it's a good show. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the girls were laughing. It was, I think that that sense of humor. It was definitely targeted toward the, towards the women. There was a lot of uh, female musician impressions, and I don't think I've ever seen Kelsey laugh so hard when she was talking about Jennifer Lopez or doing her Jennifer Lopez voice. So yeah, huge thanks good. to yeah. the Yuck Yucks crew. An excellent uh, Owen Wilson as well. Yes, which Not is my. And- you're a huge fan. Uh, it's uh, I have a T-shirt that everyone in my life hates because I wear it way too much, and it just says it's a giant Owen Wilson face, and then wow underneath. That's one of the few times ever in my life I've been an Instagram targeted ad got me. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm buying this shirt. I don't care how much it was. It was like fifty bucks American. <laughs> it was it's totally worth it. It's it's one of the greatest shirts I think I've ever seen. You're you're a big fan of renewable energy, also quite good. Yes, I, I, I don't know what happened with that one. A big, I'm a big fan of renewable energy and it was just a giant fan. It, it's fantastic. I have a, I have a suspicion, like, like I, I still don't live with my girlfriend, we, we have our own places. I have a theory that she is stealing my novelty t-shirts because they're, <laughs> they're slowly disappearing and I have no idea what's going on. You know, my, you gotta be careful that this is a real thing. My, my ex, this, we're talking ex here, you, you, you're talking about your current girl, my ex though, I left a few jerseys in that closet when things ended, and it's one of my biggest regrets in life. I had an old-school Warriors champion, Joe Smith. There was a, an old-school green crossing guard, TJ Hushmanzada Seahawks. Left him. Gone. Never to be seen again. Before we get into some hockey talk and the NHL trade deadline, the Jacob Markstrom injury, there we go, we got it, and uh, the David Ayers, the emergency backup goalie. So tons of hockey stuff to get into, but uh, to put a a pin in what we've been up to over the last couple of weeks, we decided to continue the Valentine's Day gift of giving when it came to Lisa and Kelsey because uh, the Canucks and Rogers Arena, they were awesome and they hooked up a bit of a family skate yeah. So we got to go down and hang out on the Rogers Arena ice 
and skate around. Chris Tanev and Jake Vertanen were there. Got to chat with them. They're they're awesome. Kurt McLean, who we've had on the show before, we're going to get him on again. He was fantastic. And I think it was kind of cool for uh, all the families and all the kids that were down there, all Rogers employees, just kind of getting a sense of like what it's like to be on the Rogers Arena. So if you haven't done it, it's just the scope and size of it. You just don't really understand how big it is and how, how big it feels. And yeah. that's in an empty stadium. So you can only imagine what it's like when like 18,000 people are looking down on you. Yeah, it, it's it's an incredible feeling. And and you you kind of get lost after a little while. Like you just, you just zone out the seats and you're just skating on a rink. So, I mean, I, I can't even imagine like if it's your first NHL game or something and like you just get called up like... How can you settle those nerves? Like I, I, I was sweating bullets, and there was nobody in the stadium. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, and the ice is like oh, just absolutely perfect. Uh, yeah. So that that was a really cool experience, and we got a little cheeky. We took a photo uh, together on the outside, on the player side of the glass, pointing yeah. at the penalty box. You can check that out one uh, on my Twitter. It's at Adam Forsyth. There. Let's get into. Some hockey talk, though, because that's what people are here. It's Green Man Radio on Sportsnet 650. Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan. The big story right now is post-trade deadline. The Canucks clinging to a playoff spot, and they'll have to go likely the rest of the way, at least for the regular season, without the services of both Brock Besser and now Jacob Markstrom. Still waited exactly Mm -hmm. to find out the severity, but it's looking maybe three to four weeks with this lower body uh, injury. We suspect it's probably the knee. How confident are you... Sully and Thatcher Demko. I, I am very confident in Thatcher Demko. And, and I mean, he, he's had a, a great guy to learn from this year. Obviously, Markstrom having a fantastic season. Um, but I, I don't think it's Demko's time. But I think that he has a just an amazing opportunity in front of him right now. This, this year was going to end. And in all likelihood, the Canucks are probably going to resign Markstrom to, to whatever dollars the guy commanded because he's, you know, would have been a Vesna candidate. And then Demko's for sure sitting on the pine here. But now he's got a chance to even overshoot this guy. If he can come out with some lights-out, Bennington-style play, he could land himself a starting gig. I mean, this is a huge opportunity for this kid. Oh, 100%. I, I completely agree. This is the almost the chance he needed. Uh, and he's going to force the Canucks' hand one way or the other. This will decide Jacob Markstrom's future, essentially, in Vancouver. Yeah. Um, I, I'm a little, I don't know about Demko. I... He is definitely a solid goalie on home ice. It's some sort of weird, he, it's just a, it's different for him on the road. The the Canucks don't give him the offensive support when he gets starts on the road, but like his record is a glaring one away from Rogers Arena. He has struggled in his career. Mm -hmm. So I guess we'll find out very shortly. I mean, the Canucks are now a couple games into this road trip and we'll, we'll see where it goes. But yeah, this is Demko's team. Markstrom might be able to come back for like the last four, five, six games of the season. Canucks essentially have to play about 500 hockey to get into the playoffs. Are you confident they can do so? I I am confident that they can pull that off. What I'm not confident in is the severity of the Markstrom injury. And and nobody knows the exact scope of it just yet. But, I mean, the the word torn meniscus, the words torn meniscus was thrown around a little bit. And the Canucks quickly said, no, no, LBI, lower body, lower body. We're going to get in front of it. Um, but if this is a torn meniscus, there are some meniscus injuries that, yes, you can come back from. Yes, you can play through. I've got two buddies that both ripped their knee playing soccer. Um, I don't know. There's something about turf and the cleat gets are stuck. You, I don't know. But anyways. Am, these, I, am I on that list? Because that's exactly what happened to me. Oh, sorry. Okay. You know what? I got three buddies with torn <laughs> meniscus. There you go. Um, and I mean, you know, different story with you, I think. Because it's ice hockey and you have a little bit more uh, damage in the knee than just the meniscus. 
Um, uh, I kept playing on a torn meniscus and then blew up the knee, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it... See, Markstrom's smart. I, I, I he's not he's, the perseverance. Yeah, he's not playing because he's smart. Well, I mean, maybe he did in that Boston game, though. We don't know. But um, but no, no. But with these guys, the the other two guys, you know, one of them was was walking around with a cane for, for four months. You know, the other guy missed two years of soccer. And these are just, you know, injuries off the, off the field. They're not getting the same kind of medical care, obviously, that a Jacob Markstrom would get uh, from Canucks team doctors and whatnot. But... To say that this is going to be a month, a three to four week thing, and then rush him back in, I don't know if that's a great idea. And to be honest, if that is the case, I don't know if he's going to be 100% when he gets back. Meaning if we're going to rush him back between the pipes and we do make the playoffs, I'm not as confident in a run as I was a week ago. All right, well, so let's get into the NHL trade deadline stuff because the Canucks kind of made their move a couple of weeks ago with the addition of Tyler Toffoli. I think it's worked out pretty well so far. I still think that Tyler Madden has a chance to be a fantastic prospect and yeah. player in the NHL yeah. at some point. But in the meantime, Toffoli, I mean, scored a couple of goals against the Bruins on Saturday. It was impressive there. The other move they made was a smaller one, and it was completely to address the Markstrom injury. Louis Deming, a solid stopgap while Markstrom recovers. Three wins in 16 games with the Devils this season, an 8-8-2 save percentage. So this year is not a shining example of his play, but he has had a pretty impressive career so far as a number two. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't, I think any stat that you take out of the New Jersey Devils has to be taken with a grain of salt. Uh, I mean, it's it's like the the kid that was just moved to Edmonton. I can never pronounce his last name. At the NA's. Yeah, <laughs> Andreas Athanasiu. Yeah. There it is. Yeah, yeah. I always botch that. But, uh, I mean, he went over to Edmonton, and you look at his plus minus, and it's terrible. He's winning the green jacket, G- minus 45. Yeah. Give it the grain of salt. He was playing on a pretty bad Detroit Red Wings team, right? So you got to overlook some of these stats sometimes. So I'm going to give the kid the benefit of the doubt. I'd like to see him between the pipes a few times before I make a decision on this guy. He's never played really with a winning team before. And, I mean, for the first time in a long time, we can classify the Canucks as a winning team. So, I mean, obviously there's going to be a lot more pressure on him than, you know, going anywhere else and being a number two at the moment. But... Um, you know, he's got some shoes to fill for a little while, then he's going to go back down to the A. So, um, you know, I hope that he does well in his time here. It's going to be a short amount of time, but hopefully he can be the bright light. Green Man Radio, Sportsnet 650, Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan breaking down the Canucks trade deadline moves, which leads me to my next question for you, Ryan. Did the Canucks do enough at the deadline? Because before you answer, I'll just say that the Pacific Division, which is wide open, we've talked about it many times on the show, Every team that's in contention, essentially, outside of Arizona, loaded up Calgary, improving their blue line with Eric Gustafson and Derek Forbort. Edmonton, they, the aforementioned Andreas Athanasiu, uh, they added Mike Green on the blue line, as well as Tyler Ennis. And then Vegas, adding essentially a number one goalie in Robin Lehner, as well as the D-man, Alec Martinez. So everyone across the board, uh, with that in mind, Toffoli and Deming, is that enough for the Canucks to s- satisfy ownership and fans? I would have felt a lot more comfortable as I think a, pretty much any Canuck fan would have if they brought in another piece on the blue line, just like a depth piece, a just-in-case kind of guy uh, who's you know fully capable of getting the job done out there in, in, in third-line minutes. But um, at, at the current time, I'm, I'm satisfied. I think it'll be all right. But the thing is, in Vancouver, you know, like we've just gotten to the point where you know an injury is around the corner. Like we always have to be on our toes with this every single year. I mean, we've we survived the the, the list of Sammy Sallow injuries, but that bug just never seemed to leave us. There's always an injury every single year, and you need to have those pieces. You need to have the safety, the earthquake blanket. 
and the Canucks don't have one right now. So there's some guys you can bring up from the A that'll, you know, they'll fill the void a little bit, but they're not going to get much done. I kind of wish they went shopping for some depth. Yeah, I think it, it ultimately came down to the salary cap, but I totally agree with you. If there was that missing piece, I mean, say there is an injury, Jordy Ben and Oscar Fandenberg are kind of interchangeable as a 6-7 D-man, and mm-hmm. they're doing all right. But as you kind of alluded to, like knock on wood, the Canucks have been very lucky this year when it comes to a lack of defensive injuries. They've only had like seven or I think it's eight defensemen suit up yeah. all season long. They haven't, they've called up a bunch of them, but they haven't got any time outside of like Ashton Sautner. Uh, Chris Tanev, who's always hurt, has yeah. played every game this season. <laughs> so, like again, like that. Yeah, uh, come on, like let's let's just hope nothing happens. Yeah, the fingers crossed. Knock on wood. But overall, I think that it's going to be a complete like fight to the finish. Uh, I, I like a lot of the moves that the Pacific Division teams made. Vegas currently leading the division, and I think that with that combo of Mark Andre Fleury and Robin Lehner, like that is such a stacked goaltending tandem. Mm-hmm. They're already solid up front, and then Alec Martinez has fit right in there. Uh, Tyler Ennis and Andreas Athanasiu in Edmonton getting a chance right away to play with Connor McDavid. Like, how how about that for Athanasiu? Minus 45, playing for the Red Wings, one of the worst teams in the last 15 years, and now you're playing with Connor McDavid. Yeah, that's not bad. It's I mean, it's amazing how some of these things work out. I mean, look at Patrick Marlowe. He's like, all right, well, nobody wants me this summer. The Sharks are going to roll the dice for next to nothing. Great, I'll go finish up there. And now he's now he's in Pittsburgh. And now he's got a chance to play with Crosby and Malkin. I mean, it's just, it's amazing how your fortunes can change. I do feel bad. I mean, right now there's a lot going on on social media uh, because Joe Thornton had his comments out there. He wished he could have had another shot. I do feel for the guy, but this is the bed you made. You want to be remembered as a Sharks legend. So it's on you for re-signing there. I would have liked to seen him get a shot, but... I'm curious what other teams were offering, right? Like that's yeah. that's kind of what happened is the Sharks were like yeah we're not moving you Dallas and Florida were the teams after him yeah. and uh, yeah I guess it's I wonder if they said we want a second round pick or something Dallas like, yeah just whatever you yeah know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah that's it, it might have been a high price tag right but I mean they were able to move guys out the door and they were able to to stack the cover to draft picks a little bit so it is surprising that they didn't trade him even for a bag of pucks to give this guy a shot all right a few more minutes in the opening segment on green man radio and coming up later in the show we have anton Roussel of the canucks plus former nhl goalie clint malarchuk joining us when it comes to the nhl trade deadline we saw i think it was like 32 trades a lot of them were very minor nothing of blockbuster nature uh, there was the rumor trade that did not happen between Zach Parise and the Wild and the Islanders and Andrew Ladd, so maybe they'll revisit that at the draft. Uh, but if you had to look, is, do you have a winner and a loser for the two teams uh, that loaded up at the NHL draft or the NHL trade deadline? Uh, while you think on it, I'll, I'll start it off so mm-hmm. you can kind of give give you a little time to ponder. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, the Pacific Division I mentioned: Calgary, Edmonton, Las Vegas, Vancouver making some moves. The Coyotes are the biggest duds in my eyes. After the acquisition of Taylor Hall, it kind of showed they were all in. And then they just didn't do anything at the deadline. There's minimal chance they re-sign Hall. Like, I highly doubt they will. And as I just detailed, the Pacific is wide open. So I'm really surprised they made no moves or a lack of moves, especially because they kind of pushed all their chips into the pot when they went after Hall earlier in the year. Yeah, you're not wrong. And, and, you know, I remember when that trade went down, everyone was so excited about the Arizona Coyotes. They were so excited to see Taylor Hall. And albeit, I mean, Hall hasn't lit the world on fire. But at the same time, you make a big move for a guy like that? Why, why, are, you, why are you sitting on your hands at deadline time? I mean, this is one of the, I think it was the busiest deadline or something in trade history, wasn't yeah. it? In, in NHL history. Yeah, very rather. close, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, and you're sitting there quiet. I just, I, I couldn't understand it. 
they've got to be confident in the group they have. I mean, don't get me wrong. There is a lot of talent on that roster. If it's clicking, it just hasn't clicked. So maybe they're just hoping for the best. It was certainly hope. So my big winner for the day is the Carolina Hurricanes. They mm-hmm. made it known early they were shopping that extra first-round pick they had, and they didn't make the classic deadline mistake of overspending for like expiring contracts. They picked up Brady Shea and Vincent Trocek. Both of them have term left. They're both in their mid-20s. Solid D-man in Sammy Vatnin as well, who is on an expiring deal. They're the most improved team after the deadline. Despite some of their current goaltending woes, we'll get into that later in the show with David Ayers being the emergency hero. But they're now like a legit contender in the East, and it didn't come at a massive cost. They moved out a couple of picks, a couple of prospects, but their cupboards still stocked with players and picks. They're set for the playoffs and beyond, especially with Trocek and Brady Shea. Yeah, no, I I couldn't agree with you more. I think Carolina did a great job. And that trade with Florida as well, uh, getting Trocek out of there for just a handful of nothing. It's so weird Dale Talon soured on Trocek. Yeah. Well, it's it, not so weird. He kind of makes very bizarre moves, but... Trocek hasn't had, like, you know, he had the 130-goal season not too long ago. Like, he's just 30-plus. He, he just, you know, he hasn't been he hasn't been lighting the world on fire, and I hate to use that phrase twice in a minute, but at the same time... Uh, so I kind of see it from that aspect, but I thought Florida, they're kind of bubble right now. I thought maybe they would have given it a chance for sure. Spent the money. Like why not, you know, give it a good shock. I mean, in my mind, and I'll go quick. So I know we're against the clock here. My biggest winner is the Ottawa senators, which I've, I don't know if I've said that ever before, but these guys are loading up on picks. They got a King's ransom for Pajo. That was insane. What they got out of the New York Islanders. Uh, they're, they're flipping guys for picks left, right, and center. These guys, I mean, they've got obviously a five-year plan. It's not going to be a next year or the next, but um, it's nice to see finally the needle move in the other direction for Ottawa and Winnipeg sitting on their hands. They got Cody Eakin for a fourth. That's not too bad, but they're just going to have to eat the dust in Buffalo, which is crazy to me. To put a quick pin in that one, to relate it back to the Canucks, the Senators will have nine picks in this June's draft before Vancouver makes their first selection. Some, <laughs> some food for thought. Uh, coming up in just a few minutes, we will check in with the current Canuck player, Anton Roussel, as Vancouver continues its playoff push. you got Green Man Radio, Adam Forsyth, Ryan Sullivan. We'll be back in a few minutes. Green Man Radio with Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan continues on Sportsnet 650. Brought to you by WhistlerBungie.com. Radio, welcome back. My name is Adam Forsyth, joined by Ryan Sullivan. You got it locked to Sportsnet 650 and all the podcasting platforms, Spotify. Uh, what are the other ones? The cool hip ones nowadays. Google something. Google Plus, is that still a thing? Yeah. You can Alexa. probably find us on that. Alexa? Ale- yeah, Alexa, Alexa, play Green Men Radio. Uh, nice. It could, is that a plug? <laughs> it is. We're sponsored by Amazon now. Yeah. Uh, again, you can find us on iTunes and, of course, sportsnet.ca slash 650. You can search for us there, Green Man Radio. Just a few minutes, we'll be joined by a Canuck, Anton Roussel, joining the program. Uh, this guy is a uh, a troublemaker. He's no he's he's been in the penalty box quite a bit. I don't th- he was never in the penalty box with us though. No, no, he, and unfortunately, we never got the chance to razz him. Um, and you know, given the timelines, yeah, I, I think we could have caught him at the uh, tail end of maybe his time in Dallas there, but. Um, but yeah, no, we're going to, we're going to shoot over to that in just a moment. And the beauty of this is that, and we talk about this all the time and we had Antoski on, we had Scotty Walker on, Jovo. We love guys with a little bit of sandpaper. 
You know, these are the guys that are usually the most colorful. The best comments are coming out of these guys because not everybody rushes to them. I mean, Joe was a different story, but not everybody rushes to them with a microphone for a huge scrum in the room. So they're not very, you know, you know, media trained, not as media savvy, if you will. And so they give you the best comments. They're beauties. Absolutely. Doing research for this interview, and I'll just say the name because we said it in our first segment. It's Anton Roussel, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. The Canuck joining us. You uh, said it like two minutes ago in the intro. No. In the opening of the segment. Yeah, you did. It was a tease. Oh, I see. Okay. I said Alexa. Yeah, oh, not that's Anton right. Roussel. I, I mixed him up. Yeah, yeah. How's this for a random set? Anton Roussel is the only player in the NHL with over 100 penalty minutes in each of the last four seasons mm-hmm. and 10 goals in each of the last four seasons, 10 or more goals. Wow. No, no one else has done that. Interesting. So he contributes at both ends of the ice. That's a random poll. Did you put that together yourself or did you find that on the net? I definitely found that on the internet. That's impressive, though. The people that can find these and make these stats, it's incredible to me. It's almost more impressive than a Connor McDavid. <laughs> Seriously. The, the Sportsnet stat guy? I'm I'm not kidding. The guy that's like, he's scored on seven breakaways in the last, you know, 14 years, and he's the seventh NHL player to do that. Like, who comes up with that? What is, is that? This is definitely not what it is meant for, but I utilize this so much when I am gambling on hockey games. But yeah. Sportsnet, every morning, there's Sportsnet stats, and I'm blanking on the guy's name. I apologize, but he's out in Toronto, and he sends out an email every morning with all these stats like any, more than you could ever imagine, like 10 pages of stats per game. Yeah. And you can go dive deep. Like since 1987, the Canucks are so-and-so on the power play when playing Montreal's left defense or something. Is his name Chris Wall? <laughs> yeah. No, that's Chris Wall, uh, <laughs> News 1130 morning show update guy is the WHL spectacular. Like but you wouldn't believe. It's ridiculous. And he writes all his notes are handwritten. Wow. Still handwritten. Calligraphy, feather pen and all. Absolutely. So he has he's journals school. on journals, smell like rich mahogany. But the Sportsnet <laughs> stats guy, again, they're so in-depth and you can, every once in a while, find a little nugget. And you're like, oh, well, that's going to help and I'll gamble and I'll lose. That's yeah. just what happens. Yeah, well, yeah, the house always wins when it comes to that sort of thing. We should cut a segment on the show where I just give some gambling advice and then people bet exact opposite because that's what's going to happen. You know, you and I kind of went back and forth the last week about who's going to add more bodies at the trade deadline. And in the end, you took the win on it. Uh, but I, because I, I, you know, I started with the Florida Panthers, I'm like, the Florida Panthers are going to add a ton of bodies. And then I backed off that and I went Columbus, which was stupid. Yeah. So and this, I, I believe I said it was stupid at the time. This, you did, emphatically. This is our inner office gambling here. I was, I actually kind of misunderstood the prop we were discussing about who was going to mo- make the most. I thought it was make the most trades, not the most bodies. Oh, okay. Because then you think you would add, you would turn to a, a team like Florida who added like four players in that Carolina deal. I yeah. thought it was most trades, and that was Carolina, and that was my pick. Oh, okay. Because again, we discussed it in segment one, Vincent oh, Trocheck and Brady well Shea. Da, 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 down the line. Yeah. Uh, but let's get back to Anton Roussel because we're a few minutes away on Green Man Radio on Sportsnet 650 from chatting with the current Canuck. Uh, the second current Canuck to join us on the show, I think I'm- JT Miller and... Yeah, no, I believe that's correct. We might have to go through the Rolodex, but I think that's correct. And uh, JT Miller started us out. That was the first interview we had on Green Men Radio. It's inaugural season. It was fantastic. And so the bar has been set pretty high for this guy. But should we just should we just dive? Should we just... Let, let's get into let's it. Let's dive in. Let's dive in. All right. So you and I, Adam, had the pleasure uh, a few years back of going over, watching some QMJHL games, and they get heated, they get feisty. So that's how I started things out here. Uh, Anton Roussel, no stranger to it, started things out in the queue. An absolute amazing story. Undrafted free agent, rises up, 
He's in the AHL, has to get bumped back, has a few games in the E, moves his way back up, cracks the roster of the Dallas Stars, coming over to Vancouver. He's a sandpaper guy. He's got ice in the veins, and he's a new father as well. So we touched on that toward the end. A fantastic story. A guy who went from, eh, I don't know about zero, but he went down around there to hero, and he's on a, uh, a fantastic streak, one of the one of my favorite Canucks on the team. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Mr. Antoine Roussel. I've had the pleasure of going and watching some QMJ games. Yeah. Uh, you know, as opposed to maybe the dub, you know, a little more. There's some rivalries. It gets pretty heated out there. What are your memories mostly of playing in the QMJHL? Well, uh, we used to play uh, We used to play uh, Quebec City. And uh, Quebec City was like a huge, uh, it's like a bit like the Giants, like a big... Uh, uh, big city uh, team and like with a lot of money and like they are, they are all the time have the greatest player and uh, they uh, they packed their house like it's like they were they were playing at the Rogers and then there was sixteen thousand and I remember uh, playing in those games and uh, some fans like uh, adults like I was like seventeen like cheer like hey, Russell you sucks blah 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 and that was kind of funny in the warm up that was a good uh, folklore and uh, I liked it it was fun and. Um, uh, with good memories, uh, I mean, my best friends there, like we still have in touch, like we do a party every year, uh, just as a reunion, and it's awesome. Yeah, that, that's where we were in Quebec City, and it's a great hockey town. It's too bad they don't have a professional team just yet, that kind of fell through. But, um, I mean, you being the kind of like a, a rougher player out there, rough and tumble guy, uh, you know, did you, did you fit in a little more among the fans in the queue? Uh, well, I fitted. I always fitted everywhere I went to. Of course. Uh, but uh, that's uh, no. That's uh, that always been a pleasure. To like to be uh, sorry about that. My okay. uh, my kids around me right now. No, it's been always a pleasure to like to just to, to give it all every everywhere I went through. And uh, I think I felt like uh, the fans appreciate that. Like uh, that's a one true of my character that they uh, they like a lot. Yeah. Now, okay. So you come up undrafted. What's the life like? trying to crack into the NHL as an undrafted guy? Well, that was really hard at uh, the start because like, I didn't have any deals anywhere and it was tough to just uh, um, find a path and everything. And, uh, but I was lucky enough. I got some good coaches that, uh, like, uh, people and people that trust in the, uh, trust in me, and uh, and so on. And that really helped me along the way. Uh, it's not about the people that just didn't look me. It's more the people that helped me go through. And like, uh, I'm very grateful to those guys. Now you end up catching on in Providence. Uh, you know, first taste of the AHL before a quick demotion to Reading. You're playing in the ECHL for a handful of games. Yep. What was going through your mind when you go down to the E? Well, uh, I, I went there just to play some more, sorry, some games actually. Like they sent me down like uh, because I wasn't playing too much. I was scratched a lot in the AHL at the time. And uh, that was a good, uh, good for me. I get to play more. And uh, I remember I went down for the All-Star break and I played three games. And at the end of the, the season in the A, I was looking at the standings and they were in a, in a good place to make the playoff, which uh, with the AHL we weren't. So I just has to go down, and if you play five games, you get to play the playoff, or you have the chance to. So I asked to go down, and uh, I was fortunate enough. Uh, the coach trusted me, and I played the playoff. Like uh, I won my first playoff uh, round ever, and felt really good of, uh, about that. And I, a, a lot of players, they, I mean, you know, playoff experience is something that is is so crucial and key when when you're shopping for free agents, trades, and whatnot. Uh, what difference does it make for you? Like the next year coming in, just how much more added confidence do you have after going through a playoff round? 
a lot. I mean, like it's like it's a good experience too. Like you know, like that's uh, hockey at its best, and like you never know when you're gonna go back out there. Like when I first started playing in the NHL, I felt like the playoff was uh, a, it's a every year thing, and uh, guess what? It's not. Uh, it's my eighth year, and I played the playoff like only like uh, two times. So uh, I'm really hoping to uh, to cash in this year. Now you bounce from you go over to Chicago with the Wolves. You head over to Texas playing in Dallas. Pretty shortly after that, what was the call up to the NHL and getting full time minutes like? Well, the call up was like actually like a surprise. I wasn't expecting anything. I uh, the lockout just ended and then uh, at the. I went for camp there. I wasn't even expecting to go there, and uh, they just invited me. I was happy. I was having a good time. I was playing uh, for fun, and the fun was always uh, what tries me. And uh, if I had fun, I always played good. So I went out there, uh, camp, had fun, and then uh, they cut me, so I got down. Like, I wasn't, like, mad of anything. I, I wasn't expecting anything at the start, so uh, I couldn't be really, uh, really bad, mad of anything. And uh, I think... Um, Maybe two weeks later, I get called up and uh, I play my first game in my third shift I score. So I was like, let's go. This is awesome. <laughs> and then uh, I played my heart, my uh, my uh, my balls, uh, balls out and just so hard. And uh, I, j- I just didn't want to leave anything like uh, for regrets and any- anything like that. So I just played the way I, I knew and then uh, had success. And then like uh, the year after, after the, that year in the summer, Jim Neal, like we changed coach. Uh, and a new GM and I was fortunate enough like the the GM called me like telling me I can look for a place right away which like tells you basically you're on the team Uh, so I was pretty excited about that yeah that's pretty awesome now a a few years ago uh, Tyler Sagan Jamie Benn got ripped apart by the team CEO what was it like playing with them what were your memories with Benn and Sagan well, uh, playing with uh, with those two guys, uh, I, I actually I got the chance to play like uh, like maybe one or two games with like uh, with those guys, and a little bit more with Segi. Obviously, it was fun because uh, I just had to give them the puck, go to the net, uh, keep it simple, and uh, had success with uh, doing that. So uh, yeah, it was fun, and uh, Jimmy's a good captain, plays uh, plays really hard, and uh, you know, make you feel very co- like like. Uh, yeah, making me like more. We're, we're friends, we're buddies, and took time like to just like because uh, he's like very like uh, uh, like yeah, introvert person, and uh, uh, it's like yeah, it takes time to warm it up. But like yeah, when he, it's warm, like it's friendship for life. Nice. It seems like every barn Tyler Sagan goes to, somebody has a "Will you marry me, Tyler Sagan?" sign. The guy is just—I mean, he, he's an Adonis. So when you go, when you go to the bar with this guy, do you just try and stand near him? <sighs> well, I don't want to go too into specifics, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, he's he's doing good with the ladies. <laughs> he's doing all right, eh? Uh, okay, so you you come over to Vancouver. Um, just kind of, I mean, thoughts on the transition from playing in a market like Dallas to a market like Vancouver? Well, it's much different. Like, and uh, I don't want people to take it the wrong way or anything, but like, I felt like more in Dallas, people like were, uh, uh, they were just like uh, having more fun. And uh, it's like, uh, win or lose, the team like love his team no matter what. Like, there is not too much uh, uh, expectation or anything. So like it's uh, it's very different that here where expectation is very high and uh, maybe it's because people know more hockey I don't know but uh, that's the main trait and uh, well that's also one of the reasons I wanted to play for a Canadian market once in my life because I wanted to experience what it was the 
fill the expectation, like make people like your city like buzzed off because uh, that's maybe the like the difference. Like you go in the playoff, like the whole city here, like maybe will stop and just watch everything. Like and uh, on the other end, like over there, it might be just a little different. So it's um, it's it's two great city of hockey, just different mindsets. Yeah, and this team's really taken off at the right time here. Uh, what, what are your thoughts playing with, with this core? I mean, with, with Petey, Miller, Besser. I mean, you know, the guys look at them, they see, like, some young players that are, you know, no playoff experience, stuff like that. But these guys are playing out there like they're true leaders. Well, sometimes, like, you know, like, when you're young, like, you don't expect anything. You just go out there and do it, and that's uh, that's the way uh, it's the way it is. Like, when you know, like, you have nothing to lose, you can you might just cause more surprise or anything you know it's a uh, it's a bit different and um, yeah I'm expecting that yeah fair enough now you mentioned it just a moment ago we were in uh, Nashville not long ago uh, watching some games and like same thing down there like the you know it's, they're just there to party and have fun win or lose doesn't really matter what's, what's the better party city Dallas or Vancouver Dallas for sure party city yeah it's here I don't think it's such a part well maybe because I don't go out anymore <laughs> but uh, like I, that's not the feel of the city I don't think like it's more like a sporty city like where people like rather go like wake up early in the morning go for a run rather than just like see sunrise uh, banged up uh, and I think that's the difference between the two cities yeah what's your overall thoughts on on this season and, and the role that you've played and the success the team's had well, uh, this season so far has been great. Like we had a couple of great additions. Like when you look at what JT Miller's done for uh, for for top line, it's uh, it's huge. And I think uh, maybe he surprised himself or like uh, having that much success. Maybe like I don't know, but he's been a huge addition, and it's uh, it's awesome to have him. Uh, it carries a lot of uh, of like pressure. Like last game, scored two huge goals. Like you know, like rising the. Uh, when we needed him and uh, he's a good player to have around good leader and uh, it's, uh, it's fun because we have success uh, and when you get a young like a taste of success very young in your career like it's something you always try to, uh, to get back because it's such an addictive feeling so uh, that's such a good positive vibe for the, tw- for the team absolutely man now let's go back I mean you're talking about young guys coming up everyone's got a, an influential coach an influential person in their life who for you was the guys that made the big difference? Well, it's hard to pinpoint on one specific person. I think it's a little bit of a, like every coach that trusted me. Like I remember something from every coach, and uh, it's uh, it's um, that's that's that. Yeah, like I mean, uh, there's a lot of person that have a huge impact. Like even with little things, and uh, like uh, my uh, psychologist like had a huge impact. Uh, like a coach that just told me like. Uh, it's cool you can go forever in your life like hockey's now like stuff like that like little things that adds up and uh, like you're capable of like whatever you put your minds to like sorry some stuff like that so um, just put my mind to it and done it so it's uh, it's all the little details of people that just adds up and uh, are in my bag for like my cultural bag fair enough now this is a bit of a dangerous question you have the Canuck checkbook. You're Jim Benning. How much does Markstrom get paid this year? <sighs> Whatever he wants. <laughs> <laughs> In a few years, how much does Antoine Roussel get paid? <laughs> Whatever Antoine wants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So, I, and you know, I, I see you got a young family here. I'm, I just started my family. What's the transition like being uh, being a young dad, just going around playing hockey all the time? Now you got a heck of a lot more responsibility. 
Yeah, it's. I mean, it's so much fun. Like you know, like yeah, there's way more perspective to the game than just like you know, win or lose. Like uh, yeah, of course, like we take a huge pride into like winning and losing, and uh, it still drives us. But at the end of the day, like that's not all what's like life's about. Like uh, like for and it gives you perspective. And I felt like my game evolved to the. For better ever since I got kids because like maybe uh, like I was maybe too more uh, too um, in my head sometimes coming home and having kids I just like I flush it out quicker and then uh, maybe keep a positive vibe even longer. All of Vancouver loves you. All of Vancouver's pulling for you. Really appreciate it, buddy. Thank you very much. That interview brought to you by Whistler Bungie. Uh, gotta check these guys out if you are heading up to Whistler for any occasion. Uh, we've done the bungee jump a bunch of times and it has been a blast every single one. I like that they give you the two options where you can jump backwards or you can jump a little like a... Yeah. Is that the dive? The dive. forward? We used the secret third option and also jumped in the green suit as well. Yes, which was equally terrifying. Which is just, it's not a good idea. It's a horrible idea. I can't remember. Did we discuss this last episode where I almost died? Because the green suit, I think we 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 may have alluded to it. Let's. I'll I'll quickly get into it. Yeah. I apologies if we doubled up, but you know what? It's such a good story that we're going to do it twice. Yeah, yeah. Why like not? It. I there's the ice bucket <laughs> challenge. Yes. a few years ago, and Whistler Bungie reached out and said, "Hey, if you guys want to come and jump, and we'll throw a bucket of water on you as you jump, it'll be hilarious." So Ryan and I both jump out of the green suits. It's all hilarious, and then they're like, "Well, we need one for green men." So I get in the suit. It is skin tight, so any water it gets on it just acts like a waterboard. I learned that the hard way. I did a ropes jump swing uh, <laughs> at Chuchwap Lake a few years ago, thinking it'd be a cool camera photo op, and I almost died there. Didn't learn my lesson. So I'm backwards, and I'm going to jump out, and they're going to throw a bucket of water at me. Well, it hits me right in the face. Immediately, I'm getting waterboarded, and I'm in the middle of a free fall bungee jump, and I can't breathe. And I'm trying to scream, and it's just like that gurgle water sound. Like, <laughs> Off like the first or second bounce, I'm now 30 seconds without breath, and I just take my hands and I put them in my mouth and I pull the mat- the suit away from me as much as possible, and then I'm just getting y- yanked around while trying to hold the suit away from me. And I get up, I'm like all out of breath and disheveled. They're like, that was awesome. It looks hilarious. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. It was a beautiful moment. I threw the water, so. Yeah. Sorry about that. That was one but, of the hardest uh, times I've ever heard you laugh. Yeah, it was pretty great. Well, so, yeah. again, if you want the opportunity to get waterboarded while bungee jumping, Whistler Bungee, the well, way th- to go. That's probably the worst endorsement we could give. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're not going to waterboard you. It's just a great bungee jump. And with the snow up there right now, too, it's picturesque. It's a great time. Because I did it, too, and I, but I didn't have the suit on. Yeah. And I, I realized that you're falling at the same like rate as the water's falling. So it was like I was in like a swimming pool the yeah. whole way down. Yeah. Um, but so, thankfully, when I bounced, I got rid of the water and I could not imagine that, that with so. a suit. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't do that. You're you're a man among men. So head up Whistler Bungie. Uh, especially, I, like, I would thought it would be the always... There's so many bachelorette and bachelor parties up in Whistler. I think it would be, like, the ideal way to kick off a trip. Because oh, yeah. it's, it's along the way and you just force the bride or the groom. Yeah, you want your weekend to start off with a bang, you're going bungee jumping. It's a badass spot. It's an amazing location. Very picturesque. They take some great photos that you can splash all over your Insta. Or your your twit or your face. I don't. I, they shortened Instagram to Insta. The kids did. So I don't know if face and twit. I thought it was IG. Is it is it IG? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Uh, let's let's move past Whistler Bungie for a moment <laughs> yeah. and get back to the Anton Roussel interview. A fantastic interview. You did a great job chatting with him. Uh, 
where did that even come about? Was that down at Rogers Arena? That was at Rogers Arena, and uh, it was post-practice. This is also, uh, but it's pre-Jacob um, Markstrom knee. And pre-trade deadline. This is a few days ago. This was yeah. how the only way the scheduling could work. So yeah, a couple days Roussel. ago. Uh, because then they hit the road to Montreal, of course. But uh, yeah, no, and, and just a, a super cool guy. And and you could hear at the start of the interview, like he has his his uh, young boy and his young daughter kind of like clawing at him, like trying to trying to get in. I don't know if they were trying to get on the mic, but they were just trying to pull his ear to say something to him. And um, but like you know, it's just it's it's amazing how these guys that pardon the pun can stick handle playing dad one second and playing professional hockey player the next. Um, and and I was, I was very happy that he went in depth and touched on it at the end of that interview uh, in great detail. And uh, and it's kind of cool. Like he's like, yeah, now I've got a lot more to play for. And it and it's so true because now like he's he's really really playing for more money in that contract because he's got two more mouths to feed. It's pretty cool. Detail. Yeah. De- is it was that American? Is it detail in Canada? I'm not sure. I, schedule. <laughs> Wet weather. Kilometer. I don't know. <laughs> It's a this is a strictly a metric podcast. <laughs> it is right. Sorry about that. I uh, do you see this? Like, I just see so many similarities in his personality and a little bit in his play to Alex Burroughs. and I think he has alluded to that in the past. But it's just really fascinating. Like he definitely fits that mold of he is like the the gel of the locker room. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, he seems just like a, a fun loving guy um, that will joke around, and and I mean, he was he was a, a good sport joking around about the uh, time with Tyler Sagan as well. Uh, down in Dallas, who we've been told enjoys getting out and enjoys the party scene a little bit. Um, so, so very cool stuff there. But uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. He seems like a guy that keeps things pretty light, and he's a good character guy and a good guy you want in the room. Now, at the top of that interview, you jumped into his Quebec major junior days. Yes, because like that's you either score 150 points in a season or you put up 150 pims in a season. Like you don't have a choice. Yeah, there's no there's no in between there. And. Uh, yeah, like kind of fascinating stuff from him, uh, his his inside perspective. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, it, it, it was kind of neat because, I mean, as, as we were saying before we dove in, you and I have had the pleasure of going over and watching some games in the queue. It was at the old Colisee, which, I mean, you can't do anymore. That was a limited time uh, thing that we did. It was pretty cool. But um, but no, it's it's this old barn. It's this old school feel. It's old school hockey. And it's just these these fans, they they love the sandpaper, they love the grinders. So this guy was an absolute celebrity in his time in the queue. Whereas in the dub, I find that it's a little bit more like a, a speed skill sort of thing and you don't get these heated rivalries. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned just mentioned the WHO, which is a perfect transition because in a few minutes on Green Man Radio on Sportsnet 650, we are going to chat with the former WHO goalie, former NHL goalie, Clint Malarchuk, joining the program. Adam Forsyth, Ryan Sullivan. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. We now return to Green Men Radio with Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan on Sportsnet 650. Brought to you by Whistler Bungie. Welcome back to Green Man Radio on Sportsnet 650. Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan with you for the second hour of our show. And it's been a jam-packed episode so far. The Canucks reeling with injuries. Jacob Markstrom out the NHL trade deadline. It's been a happening week, buddy. It has been. And, you know, that's actually quite the segue. Goalie injuries for our next guest coming up here shortly. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I was kind of expecting... I was kind of expecting the team to stand pat, and they did. And then the the Deming, as soon as that happened, it was like that happened, and then the report came out about Markstrom. So it, it's it's not, you know, really filling the shoes, but it, it'll do the trick. I think Demko can carry the load. Yeah, I will find out shortly with the Canucks currently on a four-game road trip. 
Our next goalie, plenty of time on the NHL ice and away from the home rinks. It was Clint Malarchuk. Uh, a crazy career, ups and downs. I mean, spent time in so many different leagues. Was never quite like an all-star, wasn't a mainstay, but he is tied to one of the most infamous incidents in NHL history. Yeah, and and I mean, you you watch this video on YouTube, and you, when you look back through the, the the goalie names of NHL folklore, Clint Malarchuk's not you know at the top of the stat pack for the tenders, but you know this is the thing that that put him on the map. As, as you know, as as infamous as it is, um, this this clip has millions of hits on YouTube. I mean, people want to see it. It's NHL history. It's one of the most crazy events you'll ever see in NHL history. And um, you know, he goes around the world talking about it he's written books about it it's um it's a pretty insane thing and and it's amazing you know the the point of view that he's taken on it and how he's helping other people with it now yeah the it's almost like a 20-year journey for him where he admits that he had some lows and some ptsd from it and still does but he's using it for the greater good now i can't watch the video i've seen it a few times i couldn't watch it i told my my girlfriend that i was getting a chance to interview clint Chuck today and she's oh I'll, I'll watch the video i don't it's not yeah well, I, di- I didn't know this, so as I was reading up on it, apparently two fans in the crowd had heart attacks that night. Exactly. Um, you know, it's one of those things, like in the NCAA, that guy that went up for the layup years ago and, and he you know, cracked his legs. It's one of those things that's, um, it, it's hard to watch, but it's, it's, it's real life. I mean, and, and thankfully, there's those that have an iron gut, like the trainer for the Sabres, who pretty much saved his life. Absolutely. Well, without further ado, let's get into it. It is uh, it's a horrific story, but it's not all dark and sad on Green Man Radio because he played in Las Vegas. He had some line brawls in the eighties. We're gonna get to it all on Green Man Radio on Sportsnet six fifty. Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan, and joining us is Clint Malarchuk. Our next guest is a 10-year NHL veteran with stops in Quebec, Washington, and Buffalo. He overcame a life-changing injury and made a return to the NHL just weeks later. He collected an impressive 141 career wins in his post-playing career. He has dabbed uh, dabbled a little bit in coaching uh, when he wasn't busy uh, on his ranch. His autobiography, A Matter of Inches, is available in bookstores and online. Please welcome to Green Man Radio, Mr. Clint Malarchuk. How you doing, buddy? Very good, very good. Uh... Right, the intro. Actually, in Canada, the book is called The Crazy Game. The Crazy Game, and then in the States, it's a matter of inches. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, Long story why they have two different titles, but two different publishers, that's kind of how it happened. (laughs) All right, let's get into it. We'll talk about the book in a little bit, and I want to hear, we'll go right from the beginning. We'll do a kind of little chronological order. So you grew up in Alberta. What made you start playing goalie like that that always fascinates me i play hockey but definitely is not a goal that terrifies me so what was the decision into being a goalie when did you start did you find success right away well you always hear stories of why somebody became a goalie either they couldn't skate so they put the coach put them in goal or or they were um they just admired the equipment. The kid was just enamored with equipment. So they became goalies. So there's a few reasons, but for me, my, uh, my father was a goalie, um, played in the senior league up in Northern Alberta. Uh, and then my older brother, seven years older than me was also a goaltender. So, uh, for me, it was just, uh, following their footsteps. I, I, I didn't really get that good, uh, at it until into my teens. You know, I played forward, uh, my my dad wanted me to learn to skate real well. He, th- he thought it was important, and uh, so he wanted me to play out before I, I I played goal. Nice. Now you got very good very quick in your teens. You played for Portland in the WHL, 
dominated the 80-81 season. And leading the way was a guy I know we all we know all too well on this side, Mr. Jim Benning, the Canucks GM, put up 139 points that season. What was it like playing with Benning? And please, spare no detail, give us all the dirt. Well, there's not much dirt with old Jimmy. He was such a quiet, uh, unassuming guy, um, easygoing, uh, obviously very talented. But we also had, we had that. We, with those years in Portland, we had some big names that went through there and got drafted. I mean, uh, another defenseman uh, was Gary Nyland. He went on, you know, with the NHL career. The Remchucks, uh, Babbages played there. Uh, we had we had quite a quite a high draft rate out of Portland. Some phenomenal players there. Uh, and then let's jump into the NHL. Then, so you cracked the NHL the following season with the Nordiques. I mean, that was it intimidating to walk into that locker room. I mean, the legends, the trio of the Stastny's. You have uh, Michelle Goulet. I mean, what is that team all about? And how did you handle the nerves as a young kid? Well, I was asked the question recently on when did I maybe realize that, hey, I could play in, in the NHL. I have a chance. And I think it was my first training camp in, in Quebec. Uh, I had a just a great camp. I outplayed the veterans, uh, veteran goaltender. I was like, holy smokes, these guys are established NHL goalies. And I'm I'm uh, getting better results, I guess, uh, and that's when when I really thought maybe I can, you know, make a make it uh, full time NHL goaltender. Nineteen eighty four playoffs here, Clint. Game six, Adams Division Final. There's a game in which you didn't play, but you don't see this too often. The goalie receives fifteen minutes in penalties. How does that happen? <laughs> I'm surprised that wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I honestly, I can't remember that one. We were told. Remember, we read that it was a bench brawl, and you were the backup goalie, so you don't get credit for a oh. game played. And you you hopped over the boards and joined the melee. Uh, Eighty four playoffs, game six of the Adams Division Final. That was that Montreal we were playing. I think I was believe so. Yeah, Ma- yeah, Good Friday Massacre. Yeah, I got thrown out of the game. Uh, yeah, they, I mean the bench is cleared. It was the end of the second period. Uh, did, we we had a line brawl which ended up uh, uh, it, the bench is cleared. They got it, it, and we come up for the third period, and the puck wasn't even dropped, and we started brawling again. And my my best friend, buddy, roommate, and everything was Dale Hunter, and he used to always say, "Watch my back," and I I, I would always go, "Oh boy, what's he gonna do?" And usually he was stirring the pot uh, somewhere. At, same thing happened in uh, in a playoff game in Boston. Uh, Dale says to me, watch my back. And I knew we were skating around in, uh, uh, before the period or something. And all of a sudden, you know, he's over there in their side of the, you know, <laughs> warm up and, uh, causing havoc. So yeah, we've had, a, we had a few brawls back in the eighties. That is a terrifying proposition having to have Dale Hunter's back. Cause that guy was a menace. He loved to stir it up. As you just said, uh, in your oh, book, boy. you detail and you just mentioned as well that, uh, roommates with Dale Hunter, and in the book, you detail that you two were quite the prankster duo. Uh, can you illuminate us with any uh, one specific prank or the one that went too far? Or did any teammates lose their mind when you guys were partners in crime? Oh, they 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 always suspected. Dale and I were pretty sneaky. I mean, we, we did a lot of, you know, small stuff like, uh, you know, putting baby powder in the hair dryer and the guy, you know, he's all showered and he goes to blow dry his hair and the baby powder coats him and, you know, a lot of pranks like that, you know, they're pretty innocent. Uh, a lot of air, uh, we traveled commercial back then a fair bit. So a lot of, a lot of pranks were, you know, airport, uh, you know, the dollar bill on the, uh, 
piece of fishing line and when somebody goes to pick it up you pull it and they're chasing it and just anything to kill time in an airport uh you know a lot of harmless pranks and the ones that aren't harmless i can't share (laughs) (laughs) now you know definitely not definitely not funny when it happens well i mean this is what i've been told when a trade goes down i mean it's obviously serious business you're part of a blockbuster deal in 1987 you're sent to Washington for a pick that they used to grab Joe Sackick. So, you know, put that feather in your cap. Uh, what was it like to be traded for the first time in your career? Well, it was, it was, it, it was a summertime deal. And uh, uh, so uh, it, it was, you know, you get a phone call. It's a lot different than, the, you know, the, the second time I got traded, it was during the season. So it was a little different. I did get traded with my buddy, Dale Hunter, but, you know, and, and it was for uh, Joe Sackick. And I don't tell the details, you know, it was a multiplayer uh, trade. I just tell them, like, my kids were growing up. I said, I was traded for Joe Sackick. Of course. You know? and they're you like, what? Yeah. So you don't, you don't go into detail. But, uh, and they were too young to even ask or, or think about it. But they knew who Joe Sackett was because he was still playing. And so it was kind of comical. I just tell people that. Uh, the second time I got traded, uh, I remember I got uh, showed up. It was before practice. Right before the trade deadline, like a day or two uh, before the deadline, and I got called into the coach's office, and they uh, gave me the news. And I, I remember it was Brian Murray was the coach. It was I was with Washington, and he was a. I didn't think he liked me because he was really hard on me, and uh, you know I, I found out later, you know, well he was, he was kind of teared up about telling me that. Like so, I went, well, hey, I was like almost consoling him, hey. <laughs> you're not the one getting traded, Brian. I am. <laughs> so it, it was, uh, it, and it's funny when you get traded, people don't realize, uh, I mean, they can kind of imagine it, but you know, all of a sudden you're expected in a different city. Uh, you know, I, I have, you know, you got to worry about how, how am I going to pay my bills, my mortgage? I got a checking account, you know, all these things that it, it, internet wasn't back then. So uh, I learned real quick and, and, you know, boy, oh boy, you got a household to take care of uh, on one part of of the country, and you're going to another part, and and you're not there. So, and if you got guys with families and that, you got schools, things like that. It's 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 quite dramatic for for a player to get traded. And you know, I went through it twice, and that that's definitely enough. Um, but yeah, it, it's it, all of a sudden new city, new lifestyle, new uh, teammates, new arena. Uh, new fans, everything, you name it, it's all changed. And it happens just like that. I think it's a nice inside perspective on, you know, the the trade, especially with the trade deadline happening this week. I mean, we just saw a lot of players, you know, they're uprooting their lives. Uh, we are joined by Clint Malarchuk on Green Man Radio. It's Adam Forsyth, a.k.a. Forrest, joined with Sully, a.k.a. Ryan Sullivan. And uh, Clint Malarchuk is our guest on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Clint, we'll be remiss. I mean, we like to keep things super late on here because we are just the goofy guys, but we would be remiss if we didn't jump into the, the famous 1989 or infamous incident involving one of the most horrific incidents in league history when Steve Tuttle's skate severed your corroded artery during a game in Buffalo. Um, we've read a ton about it. Uh, can you walk us through? I mean, I'd love to hear about the army doctor who saved your life. Uh, we heard that you asked for a priest at some point. You wanted to call your mom. Um, I, I'm sure there are tough, tough details to recall and live through again, but uh, to for our listeners, I'm sure they'd love to know. Well, I tell the story all the time because I do a lot of public speaking now, you know, since the book came out. Um, so I'm used to it. Uh, you know, definitely uh, I thought I was going to die because of the amount of blood and the way it was coming out. And, uh, you know, obviously an accident. And uh, 
uh, our, our trainer was a, our medical trainer was a Vietnam veteran, uh, a medic in, in Vietnam. So he, uh, you know, under the pressure, you imagine that, uh, running out onto the ice, um, and you're trying to save a guy's life in front of 18,000 people and the TV audience. And he was so calm and, you know, to, to be able to handle that. And I, I think it was kind of a blessing I, uh, that I had that kind of guy that had seen and experienced this type of thing before. Uh, a lot of people might have froze or panicked. And, yeah, I did. Uh, I thought I was done. And uh, so I thought I only had a couple minutes to live before I bleed out. And uh, uh, I, was, I was freshly traded. I'd only been in Buffalo for maybe two, three weeks. So uh, there was a team chaplain. I, I, I said, uh, call him. I got, I got about two minutes, and I don't have, that's not enough time to repent for me. <laughs> I need a lot longer. And uh, uh, I asked our equipment guy, Rip, to call, the, uh, call my mom, tell her I loved her. So basically I was preparing uh, for death, you know, which later on I didn't realize, you know, and I, after that accident happened, it, it, it's kind of weird because I came back as soon as the stitches came out. I, I was, so I was 10 days and I come back and a lot of people questioned that. And it was against the doctor's advice and all the rest of it because I'd lost so much blood. But uh, I came back and I became a hero, kind of a cult hero in Buffalo because of that. You know, I epitomized everything that blue collar sports town loved in an athlete, like hardworking, courageous, gritty, no talent. <laughs> um, it, 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 so it, I, I got through that season just on the love and support of, of upstate New York and Buffalo in particular. And it was the next season where things started to spiral down. Um, I couldn't sleep. I was having flashbacks, nightmares of, of the skate coming up. Um, I had struggled with, with issues as a kid, anxiety and depression. Never diagnosed with anything. Uh, obsessive compulsive uh, disorder. I had some symptoms for sure. Um, but I didn't know that a traumatic event like I went through can really spark anybody predisposed for certain situations like me with mental illness. And so the following season is when I really started to spiral down and uh, it was hard to leave the house. I was having panic attacks. Uh, like I mentioned, the, the, the flashbacks and nightmares where I'd sit straight up in bed, you know, grabbing at my neck and my heart pounding. So it wasn't just like a nightmare, a bad dream. I was basically reliving trauma over and over again. And now, now we call that, uh, you know, PTSD, uh, back then that wasn't really a set of words. And, you know, I thought it was the right thing to come back quick because I grew up, uh, you get bucked off a horse, you get right back on and, uh, no counseling was offered. Uh, and I didn't think of it either. I thought I just got to, you know, push through this. Um, you know, then Richard Zednick, what, 10 years ago, cut his, uh, jugular vein, in Buffalo, I mean, you talk about a cutthroat town, it happens twice, both in the same city, um, that uh, he and his teammates and the coaches and family members, anybody was offered counseling. I thought, man, that's good to hear because, you know, we've come and grown a long way with, uh, with our mental health and, and trying to help people. And, you know, I'm obviously now a mental health advocate. I go around the country uh, speaking on, on my story and on trying to get rid of the stigma. So that was, uh, that was great to see that, you know, we've come that far. We've come a long ways into other areas too, like medications and therapies. Uh, about a year ago, I started to have the flashbacks again in, 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 in my sleep. 
And I, I checked this uh, counselor out, and we did a thing called EMDR, eye movement desensitization reprocessing. I know it's a mouthful. Yeah. Uh, and anyways, uh, I went and did that, and by golly, that uh, that fixed me right up after three sessions of it. And it's it's really focused uh, on helping people with PTSD. So any uh, listeners with PTSD or, or struggling, check that out, EMDR. Maybe, uh, maybe it can be a... Uh, saver for you. Well, we really appreciate you sharing your story with us so far, Clint. Uh, a few more minutes with Clint Malarchuk, former NHL goalie on Green Man Radio on Sportsnet 650. Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan with you. Let's jump into kind of the tail end of your career, past NHL life. I really want to hear about the IHL and the Las Vegas Thunder because it was a little bit before my time. Overall experience in the IHL, like what was the league all about? Was it legit or was it pretty bare bones hockey? And did every team you played against in Las Vegas have a case of the Vegas flu? <laughs> well, you know, especially in the minors, it's not quite as uh, business-like, and especially back in, you know, 20 years ago, whatever it was now, mid-90s, um, you know, players had a lot more fun and did a lot. So, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of Vegas flu. I remember one guy, though, uh, I think it was he played with Kalamazoo, and, you know, we're in the IHL, we're making, you know, 50 grand or 40 grand, I was making 40 grand at the time, and, you know, not big bucks or anything, but one guy at the uh, Kalamazoo, he won like $70,000 the night before the game uh, playing Caribbean co- poker or something like Whoa. that. And yeah, yeah. So, but uh, it, it, that was a good league. Um, you know, it was like a, uh, what it was like, some of the teams were farm teams for NHL. Uh, most of them were kind of free, freelance uh, teams. You know, they just get free agents, whoever. There was a lot of players, rather than going to the AHL, that they went to the IHL because it was uh, better travel. We flew more than the American League. Um, we had a lot of veterans. I can't remember how many man games my first year in the in the I was in San Diego, and we had Scott Arneal, Lindy Ruff, Dale DeGray, uh, John Anderson. I mean, there was we were all former NHL players and just wanted to play. Uh, you know, at, at the best level we could if it wasn't going to be the NHL. So I would say back then the, uh, the IHL would have been better than the American Hockey League just because out of the experience of, of, you know, you got all these veteran NHL players playing. And, and, and you know, we were playing in nice cities, uh, you know, San Diego, Vegas, um, you know, um, Houston had a team, uh, you know, Salt Lake City. So, I mean, they, they were pretty good markets and, and nice cities to go to. Um, but yeah, that was kind of like now. Now I look back on on the American League teams that are out west now and in Texas. Um, yeah, they, they're a lot of them are old IHL cities. You know, like San Diego's the farm team now. Uh, you know, the, the Bakersfield. Uh, all these teams out in California and Texas and 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 that uh, a lot of them are old IHL teams. And now let's jump ahead into your into your coaching days. You have a stop in Florida. And a guy we know very well around here as well. He's got his jersey retirement coming up. Of course, you were instrumental in this, uh, Roberto Luongo. Uh, can you just kind of describe working with uh, working with Luongo behind the scenes? Uh, you know, Louis was great. Number one, he worked his butt off. Number two, he was open to suggestions, so he's a, a real coachable guy, uh, but you know, a real class guy off the ice. Um, you know, you know, just a really good person, but he was a hell of a goaltender. I'll tell you what, even at that, you know, I got him when he was kind of raw 
and so I'd like to think I had some influence on on him kind of getting um when I say raw I mean he was such a good athlete he, he just stopped the puck he didn't have a lot of technical to him I, I mean he had enough but he needed to refine it so that was what I did kind of starting off with uh, Louis's career in that but uh it, you know I was uh, the other thing is, you know, we had Iron Mike Keenan was our head coach, so I spent more time trying to keep, you know, uh, <laughs> Mike at bay <laughs> than I did anything else. Now you're you, you've you've had a few different job titles here, but on your Wikipedia page, it describes you as a horse dentist. Please map out what exactly that means for us. I am. I'm a horse dentist and a horse chiropractor. And, uh, people go, how do you manipulate uh, or adjust a big animal like a horse? Well, if you can keep them on the table, that's the trick. You know? um, it, it's actually uh, the dentistry. Well, you know, it's like domestic cases. Long story, uh, to surmise it, horses, you know, in the, in the wild. And where I live in Nevada, we've got a ton of wild horses. And uh, they're in their environment. They wear their hooves down, grazing, moving, and their teeth. They're eating 16, 18 hours a day. That's a lot of chewing. We domesticate them, we feed them twice a day, that's two hours of chewing, so they get problems, they get sharp, so we have to almost annually go in there and, and, and grind down those sharp points and balance the mouth, just like you would uh, as a farrier fixing their feet. Unbelievable, and let's add to that resume, author of course, Matter of Inches in the States, the crazy game up here in Canada, uh, a tremendous read, a great book you can find online. Um, can you tell us a bit more about uh, the tour, you know, the writing the book, where it all came from and the inspiration and uh, just how well, it's changing and what you're up to? Well, it, it's amazing that I'm an author and I can barely read and barely got out of high school. <laughs> and I'm a, uh, I got a best-selling book in Canada. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a suicide survivor and I, you know, I, I got out of the, uh, uh, the hospital. I went to treatment and got well. Uh, got medication, got uh, therapy, um, educated on, on what my issues were and how to manage them. Uh, but the thing was, you wake up with a bullet in your head, and uh, I've almost died two other times. One, as we talked about with the jugular vein, the other time was when with my nightmares. Uh, I had to, uh, well, I wasn't sleeping. There's it, it, a whole other story of I'll stay on the on the, on the other one of, of how the book came about. So I thought, man, um, I'm spared for a reason, and you know, there there, I should be dead. And I figured out the reason was to help people, and and I thought the book would be a good idea. And uh, writing the book was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life because it was you know digging back a lot of old wounds and and uh, opening up a lot of old wounds. So I kind of. Uh, relapsed into mental illness again a little bit after the book. And, and, but the thing was, it, it, it was the hardest thing, but the most gratifying thing. After it was done, uh, it was out there, and I thought the week before it was published, uh, I, I was re- kind of a basket case. I was emotional. I was fearful. I didn't know if I went too far in some of my disclosures. And uh, I remember talking to the co-author, uh, Dan, Dan Robson, and, and, and he, you know, we, he said, yeah, I'm a little nervous too, but I think we'll be good. You know, he was reassuring. And, man, when the book came out, the thing for me was I put my email in the back of the book, and I could not believe the feedback that I got from people. Uh, and it really made me feel good. I, but I did go, wow, there's a lot of people out there, a lot of Clint Malarchuk's out there that are suffering and they're suffering in silence and darkness, just like I did. 
And it's because of the stigma, of course, you know, we're, uh, mental illness is perceived as a weakness and it's not, it's a disorder or a sickness and it can be cured, you know, so we still fight that stigma today. But, uh, that, that, of course, the book has led me into, uh, you know, public speaking. Uh, I do a lot of speaking engagements and, uh, you know, charity work and things like that. So my life kind of, kind of changed uh, after the book came out, you know, I. Uh, I was coaching with the Flames uh, when the, I was done, just finished with them, and then the book came out, and uh, I coached a little bit of junior hockey here at Lake Tahoe. Uh, and other than that, uh, the, uh, my life is... But it doesn't feel like I'm disassociated uh, from from the sport because I still do a lot of things where I see former players and teammates, and I was just in Buffalo for uh, kind of a 90s night, and uh, so I'm still kind of in the game to a point. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for, for being so open with your story, for, for helping so much in the community, and, and for joining us here on Green Men Radio. Truly appreciate it. Well, not, not a problem. I appreciate that uh, opportunity. Thanks so much, Clint. We'll talk to you soon. Well, there it is. A fantastic interview with Clint Larchuk. We cannot thank him enough for joining us on Green Men Radio on Sportsnet 650. Uh, you know, a, a guy who has a lot of stories and loves to tell them, and doing it for the right reasons. I mean, going around North America and sharing mental health awareness, I think is such a noble cause, especially, you know, he could be doing anything right now. And Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those things where we're getting, we've been very fortunate to have these kinds of guests on these caliber of guests. I mean, we had on Brent Sopel a few weeks ago, who's doing um, a lot in the the community for um, dyslexia. And, and now we have Clint, who's, who's traveling North America, you know, doing his stuff for, uh, battling depression, stuff like that. Just incredible speakers. And you can tell they're very articulate. They're very well-spoken, these guys, because this is what they do for a living now. It's awesome. For sure. I think we need to get Clint back on. I wish we could have jumped into it further, but I had to get to that the on-ice incident. But he was he glossed over the, the pranks. Yeah. He was like, yeah, I can't really share a <laughs> bunch of the ones. Like, you know there were some ones where he probably got punched in the face. Oh, for sure. I mean, if you're traveling around with Dale Hunter, that's going to come with the territory. I love that he had to, Dale Hunter's like, yeah, you're, you're my bodyguard. Dale yeah. Hunter was a crazy person. Yeah, but Malarchik was wearing more pads. Th- that is a good point. He's but, got that blocker. I mean, you're beating anybody with that thing. Well, Sass Ron Hextall. Clint Malarchuk, at a, by his own admission, played for a bunch of different hockey teams, wore a bunch of different jerseys, and in just a few minutes on Green Man Radio... Ryan Sullivan Ooh, is going to have his yuck yucks airing of grievances, and he's going after the Canucks. I see what you did And the there. Jersey situation. You got to lock to Green Man Radio on Sportsnet 650. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Welcome back to Green Men Radio with Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan on Sportsnet 650. Brought to you by WhistlerBungie.com. All right, welcome back to Green Man Radio on Sportsnet 650 and all the podcasting platforms and on sportsnet.ca slash 650. My name is Adam Forsyth, joined as always by Ryan Sullivan. Hope you guys have been enjoying the show so far. Fantastic chats with both Anton Roussel and Clint Malarchuk. Just a few minutes. We're going to get into this whole e-bug situation that has been dominating not only the hockey headlines, but like the news headlines. Carolina Hurricanes calling in David Ayers to get the win against the Maple Leafs on the weekend. But uh, I want to loop back to the NHL trade deadline, Sully, because now that we got the lay of the land, everything is settled, we kind of have a clearer picture of what teams did what, who's going to go where, and how the Stanley Cup is is going to shape up moving forward. So of all the teams that made their moves, we discussed them uh, a couple segments ago, but is there a team now that you're like, this is my, my pick to win the Stanley Cup? 
Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, let me let me let me take that as in like uh, who's going to make the final? Okay, I'd like to pick a West sure. and an East favorite. Stanley Cup, that's a tough one. But uh, no, out of the East, I like what the Washington Capitals have done over there. I like the addition of Ilya Kovalchuk. There's just something about that team when they get a few Ruskies in there. There are a few Ruskies. I, you know, I got the Russian blood in there. I kind of sided it a little bit. And and I also just think that, you know, these guys have been peaking at the right time. And it's one of those stories. It kind of reminds me of the Canucks 2011. Like, you know, just when like the feel-good stories happen throughout the year and you look at it and you're like, okay, something's happening or something's building. This just feels like everything's going our way. And uh, there's, been, there's been a couple nice feel-good stories here, which I like. So, and, and you know. What I, are the feel-good stories? I refer to every single thing Alex Ovechkin does. That oh, okay. just gets completely blown out of proportion. But I love it. And I like the story of Ilya Samsonov. He's having a nice year as well. Uh, but anyhow, uh, that's that's my take there. I like those guys. Um, you know, it's a nice addition. Brendan Dillon on the back end too. Uh, you know, a lot of boards had him rated as the highest defenseman on the bubble at the trade deadline. So that's good to see. Uh, but also, uh, on the other side, speaking of adding a, a fine defenseman, the Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, Alec Martinez shores him up on the back end a little bit. Gives a little more confidence. But having Robin Leonard back there too. Uh, I think that's absolutely huge. And it, in my mind, anyhow, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm going to say that's the best one-two punch going in the crease. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the two legit number one goalies. It's kind of not really been talked about, but Marc-Andre Fleury lost his father in November, and everyone's kind of wondering why his play had struggled and where he was at headspace-wise. And, I mean, it's completely understandable, obviously, but now this just kind of gives them that insurance option where if if Flurry does struggle down the stretch or in the playoffs, Robin Lehner can jump in, uh, take over the number one duties, and the team will have full faith in him. And the cost wasn't that extreme. Yeah, uh, a second round pick, Malcolm Subban, and a prospect. That's that's no issue there. I like your pick. That Vegas Golden Knights are my team uh, all the way through. Before the trade deadline happened, I had a feeling they'd make some moves and that their odds would fall when it comes to gambling. And so I threw some some little bit of cash down. And I think I got them at like 16 to 1. They won the next night. They were down to 13 to 1. And then after the deadline, it fell to 9 to 1. So clearly, yeah. money is flowing in on Vegas and the odds makers agree. It's well played. So I think Vegas also... It's kind of a weak Pacific division. As much as you want to say, yeah, I think yeah. the Canucks can do it. Honestly... Yeah. There's no chance the Canucks get past Vegas if they meet in, like, say, round two. And that could be a red flag in the argument against Vegas as well. Is that I mean, they haven't really shown that they're, you know, the prime team in this division. They've been bouncing in around the top three for the last few weeks. And, you know, like you say, the Pacific Division, not the hottest. So once these guys get some real competition in a seven-game series, we'll find out who the Vegas Golden Knights really are. So we got Vegas. I think we do. We both agree then. They're, they're west out of the west. Yeah, I like that. No, I I like the Vegas pick. And it in my mind, it's kind of a a deja vu a little bit. Like when Matt Murray came out with the Penguins, started you know outplaying Mark Andre Fleury. Fleury goes out, hits the expansion draft. Could we see the same thing here? Could Leonard turn it up, sign a contract in the off season, and then maybe Fleury's open to expansion again? I don't know. I'm just I'm just throwing semantics out there. It could be something to it. Interesting. Yeah. I, I like your theory sometimes. What are the odds on that? Let's put some money down. <laughs> They're not good. Not good. <laughs> uh, and while you went with the Washington Capitals, I think I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Lightning because they've learned from the lessons of the past where last year they went flying out of the gates. They were trying to ensure that they were blowing every single team out, winning by five, six goals in some occasions. And they just got burned out at the end of the year because they were foot on the pedal, pedal to the metal the entire season. 
This year, they've kind of started slow. They sat back. Kucherov was off to a slow start. Steven Stamko is dealing with a bit of a mystery injury right now, which is a bit of a concern. But overall, I think that they probably are the favorites, and they've been heating up too. I mean, the Bruins were up like 11 or 12 points at one point this season, and now Tampa Bay is nipping at their heels. And I also like their deadline additions of Blake Coleman and Barkley Goudreau. Very expensive pieces to add, first-round picks mm-hmm. in both situations, but they both are cheap contracts, and they have term left on their deal. And that is kind of what the Lightning have to deal with. They they tra- they didn't want to trade J.T. Miller, but they had to because of a cap situation. So they bring in these cheaper options who solidify the bottom six and are going to be great PK guys. So yeah, I- I'm kind of liking the Lightning in this situation. And they got themselves a BOGO. Love a good BOGO. Yeah. I'm not going to say that's the difference maker, but as a depth piece for next to nothing. I mean, he never has lived up to his billing uh, when he came into the draft as a hot prospect. But... Bogosian for absolutely nothing, pretty much. Eh, it's not bad for depth heading into the playoffs. So the Zach Bogosian situation is interesting because he clearly wanted out of Buffalo. Yeah. They said, he said, can you trade me? And they said, not only does no one want you, we're going to prove it to you. And they put him on waivers and he passed by all 31 teams, 30 teams really, because Buffalo had him. And then they're like, we're going to send you the minors. <laughs> and he said, no, I'm not doing it. And then they decided to terminate their contract. So after all 30 other teams said, no, we don't want you, then he signs a cheap deal with Tampa Bay. They're like, yeah, we'll take you on as a sixth. Yeah. There's no karma in the NHL. Not whatsoever. You can, like, screw over a team. Be like, I'm not going to play if you're AHL. That's ridiculous. You get a suspension by the team, and then you sign on with the hottest team in the NHL. There's no karma. So that's why I just... I mean, it's a nice it's a nice defensive playoff addition. Like, it's a, it's a nice little that's insurance marker. I'm just saying depth. Yeah. I'm not saying this is going to be a game changer. I just think you want to say BOGO. I love a good BOGO. Who doesn't? It's the buy one, get one for those playing the home game. <laughs> okay. It's yeah. the BOGO. If you don't know BOGO, yeah, come on now. Turn off this station. <laughs> uh, Adam Forsyth, Ryan Sullivan on Green Man Radio Sportsnet 650. I got to get into this. The Berard Physiotherapy Injury Report. We're well into 2020. I'm sure our listeners are still all diligently working towards the New Year's resolutions. It's March. I hope you are at this point. You might be training for marathons, fondos, or all-around active lifestyle, or maybe you're resolving to address new injuries, nagging injuries, or warrior injuries. Whatever it is, the physios at Berard Physiotherapy are ready to help. They'll offer you the support you need to keep your goals on track and get you moving for an exciting year ahead. Located in the heart of downtown Vancouver, Berard Physiotherapy, the home of rehab you can trust. Remember, at Berard Physiotherapy, you are in the right hands. Normally in this segment, Sully, we detail a bunch of injuries around the NHL, but today we are only going to focus on one. The situation on Saturday, the Carolina Hurricanes beating the Maple Leafs. Peter Morazic, James Reimer both injured during that game. So the very rare emergency goalie put into use, 42-year-old David Ayers, the Zamboni driver. This guy has taken, it's a legend now. He's taken off. He's on Colbert. Yeah. He's on CNN. He's on the Today Show. Uh, what a backstory, too. He received a kidney transplant, a kidney from his mom. The Hurricanes currently selling T-shirts with proceeds going towards him and the Kitty Foundation. And Raleigh's mayor on Tuesday proclaiming David Ayers Day in the city. A week ago, this guy was a Zamboni driver, and now he's doing the social media circuit. Yeah. And, he, you know, he was the, the siren guy. I don't know. The, there's a word for it that the Carolina, the siren signal or whatever. But I listed uh, off so many cool accomplishments. You're like, hey, yeah, and he, he made a siren noise. You know, Ric Flair's greatest NHL moment. He got to follow in Ric Flair's footsteps. 
ringing that siren. That's pretty good. It's an honor. It's not too bad. But yeah, your accomplishments rank a little higher. That's uh, an incredible story. But it's one of those things that if if he doesn't kind of parlay it, if he's not open to the marketing, like, you know, if, I'm sure Carolina approached him and said, hey, do you want to do these shirts, stuff like that. If he turned this stuff down and said, no, I just want to be on my own, uh, I think he would have missed out on a huge opportunity. I'm so happy that he's so open to this because you look at a guy like Scott Foster, uh, who subbed in for the Blackhawks a few years ago, and I had the opportunity to talk to Foster the following week, and super cool guy who was just like completely still starstruck about what just happened, but I feel like he just kind of vanished. He just went off into the into the moonlight. Uh, whereas uh, <laughs> is that whereas, a thing? Is it a phrase? <laughs> I, I think so. We're gonna make it one. But David Ayers, man, he, he's he's parlaying this. He's keeping it going, and and you know what? He's also he has the personality for it too. He's just a fun loving guy, a positive guy. Um, and it's a cool story. A Zamboni driver wins a game in the NHL. It's pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, I think in the there is some slight differences between what he did and what Foster did because Ayers had to play for like the majority of the game against mm-hmm. the Toronto Maple Leafs on Hockey Night in Canada. The the hockey world's eyes focused on him. I was at a bar on Saturday night for a birthday. Zero intentions of watching this game. And all of a sudden, everyone started getting like the buzz on their phone that was all on the tables. And we're like, we got to find a TV. And we all legit kind of paused what we were doing. And I think that is like, it was a common theme across the country. And yeah, man, good for this guy. I want to get your take though on what do you think of the e-bug situation? Do you think they need another, a third goalie in the building? Like, it's, it's a weird thing. I mean, it makes for a cool story when it happens. Like, obviously, we had the Chris Levesque thing here. I think we've had a, a couple other randoms uh, since then. But, you know, if, if they get in, they get their time there. It makes for a cool story. It just kind of adds to the the ongoing uh, folklore of the NHL. And, and, and it makes for feel-good stuff. So I have no problem with it. I love it. And, you know, you see different fans now, like, put me in as the emergency goalie. There was a guy at the... Uh, the devil's game or something, wearing like the goalie bucket. Like, you know, it's fun stuff. Uh, yeah, I don't get the no fun police side of some people saying like, this is an outrage. This might cost the Hurricanes or that could have cost the Hurricanes a playoff spot. It might cost the Lisa playoff spot. Well, then you should have scored against the Zamboni driver. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> Relax. Absolutely should have. Uh, and it's such a rare occasion. It's like the act of God insurance policy. Like, yeah. it's not... I just, I just do want to throw out though that it wasn't the best emergency goalie situation of all time. Okay. And this is the second time, the second time in the show's duration that I'm going to make a sudden death reference because Jean-Claude Van Damme uh, I'm going to interrupt in, you. wore Kenny Reggett's gear and they went on to win the 92 Stanley Cup. Boom. I'm going to interrupt you and say it's not the second time, it's the eighth time in eight episodes you referenced <laughs> Jean-Claude Van Damme's sudden death. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, now they're saying that this e-bug thing is going to be talked about on like the CBA. And it's going to be like an NHL Players Association or use it as like a negotiating chip and keep it going. It's it's fun. It's good stuff, and it doesn't happen too often. But then the the no fun players like, what if it happened to the Canucks in a playoff game? You well, know what? At at the end of the that's day, that's how Disney movies are made. The NHL stepped in and said, you know what? You guys can't touch the glass. We don't want this anymore. We found a way around it. I don't know how teams are going to find a way around it or a loophole when it comes to this sort of thing, but you never know. Maybe something better will come out of it once the NHL steps in. All right, a few more minutes on Green Man Radio, Sportsnet 650, Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan. And we got to get to this, Ryan, because you've been hot and bothered. You you got a lot of takes. A little bit. And one of the, the biggest takes you you have is when it comes to jerseys. You're, you're a jersey man. You own way more than I do. You're a buyer and a seller. You're on Craigslist right. swapping jerseys. You know, you're always bragging about your deals. Like yeah, to. exactly. Yeah. But you're, you're a little bit bothered about a certain 
Canucks jersey situation. So this is the Yuck Yucks airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. <laughs> now you're going to hear about it. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. This is the airing of grievances brought to you by Yuck Yucks Vancouver. To see which comics are on their way to the comedy club, check them out across social media at Yuck Yucks Van or online anytime at yuckyucks.com. Yeah, now it leads me to a couple thoughts. And, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, it's the 50th season. And so far, I love what I'm seeing. And so does everyone in Vancouver. Jersey retirements. The black skate jersey, the 80s flying Vs in that warm-up a while back at the 80s night, the 90s nights going on, former players skating out in full gear. It's great to see they're celebrating this anniversary in style. But this needs to continue. This can't just be a 50th year thing. This should be happening in 51, 52, 53. Keep bringing this back because when you pay for a ticket, you deserve more than just what happens on the ice. You need to have what happens between the whistles, and that's the marketing that's the presentation. So far, so good this season. I'm loving what I'm seeing. But keep these jerseys going. And 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 it's it's not it's not a thing where I I know like years ago when they came out with the with the Vancouver like you know rainbow over the logo and that jersey, people weren't too hot on it. But they were saying you know what we want to stick with a look. We've been jumping back and forth with different colors. We want people to know our brand. That's great. But why don't we just be happy with the Canucks being like the Oregon Ducks? of the NHL, and we have a number of different jerseys. Look in those rafters. Look how good that looks with the different colors going on there. It's incredible. And I was a little sour on it at first. I know what you were going <laughs> to say. You were right for me to jump in there. Well, I just saw a photo on Twitter. I'm like, oh, that doesn't look that great. I got great. a text from Ryan like, what, is the, what are the Canucks doing? Yeah, but I saw it in person, and it looks slick. Celebrate the past. Get the different colors going. And I got to say, I put it up. we put up that photo from the family skate, and your friend jumped on it. We've got to get a green jersey in there. There has to be a green jersey. That's got to be next. And once you do, I would love to see the white skate out there too. That's the jersey everyone around here fell in love with because believe it or not, kids, all the millennials out there, they used to wear the whites at home and it was slick Rick, my friend. It was very nice. Get that going. Keep it cooking for years on out from here. All right, a few more minutes left, but quickly I need you to explain because it did kind of catch social media a little bit. The, the green jersey. Yes. Break it down a little bit more because it, it it was nice and people were asking what where did you find that? I appreciate that. Just a couple of years ago, I have no idea why, for no reason at all, the Canucks sold these Johnny Canuck green jerseys. It has like the the blue hoop around the bottom. Uh, you know, it's a nice white trim on there, and it's Johnny Canuck is the main logo with the Canuck, uh, the Johnny head in the V's on the shoulders. It's amazing, and I, I had to buy one immediately. Utica has the green jerseys. They look awesome. They also did the blackout with the neon green trim. Looks fantastic. You know, don't don't feel bad if you're taking tips from an AHL team. I know they're a little bit lower on the food chain, but it doesn't matter. If they do something right, you got to take it, you got to run with it, and it's in the pedigree. It's in the bloodlines. It's in Utica. Bring it up. Make it happen. A green jersey and get that blackout night going too. And uh, I should mention, throw this out there, uh, the Yuck Yucks airing of grievances always, as always, brought to you by the fine folks at Yuck Yucks. You can find them across social media at Yuck Yucks Van. And check them out. Jamie Lee is coming May 8th to 9th. She played uh, Ali Reeson on Crashing, the Pete Holmes show on HBO. Fantastic show. Oh, such a good show. You got me hooked on that. I appreciate it. But Jamie Lee's coming very funny. May 8th to 9th. Get your tickets now. All right. That's... Pretty solid rant, buddy. That might be your best one yet. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Well, it was a relevant rant. Everything I've done until this point has been about 
you know, moving into a house with toilet soundproofing <laughs> or something that's ridiculous. Why I, that's why I was paying you a couple. Yeah, this actually made sense. So, you know, I appreciate it, though. All right, about a minute left. Closing thoughts on this insane week in the NHL, the trade deadline. Uh, it's our first episode since the Sedim retirement where there were some nice jerseys on display. Yeah. Uh, very quickly, in about 30 seconds or less, your thoughts on the Sedim's retirement. Absolutely loved it. Uh, total first class. They did it so well. Uh, the Sedins couldn't have been honored any better than that. They're great Vancouverites, great people. Uh, so excited to see that their numbers will be in the rafters forevermore. Uh, loved seeing Trevor Linden back, and I kind of argued it. You made the point that you didn't love that Burray wasn't coming over, and I agree now. After seeing, like, the Burray Skype feed, no. You had everyone there. You had Naslin. I mean, you had Luongo. You had Kessler. Yannick Hansen made the trip. Where did he come from? And Burray couldn't make it. So I'm not happy about that, but overall, a fantastic night. Very happy to see Ryan Kessler get a essentially a standing ovation and loud cheers because I was a little bit worried that there might be some boo birds out there, but it appears I think it was just a general feel good uh, event, and it was really awesome to see Kessler uh, welcomed so much, and also Henrik and Daniel, they were fantastic. Uh, Kevin Bieksa too as the MC, absolutely killing it. Uh, <laughs> that was like a fantastic seven minute roast. All right, that's it for Green Man Radio. Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan on Sportsnet 650. You can catch up on past episodes on iTunes, Spotify, sportsnet.ca slash 650. Our next episode, we're off next week, but we are back on March 11th at 7 p.m. right here on Sportsnet 650. Two more fantastic guests lined up. We will see you then. Have a good night, everybody. See you.